Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody we are live with underground sports philadelphia episode number 180 kyle bennett matt castarina live from underground studios as always show brought to you by main auto llc Ducharms pro foot security 21 wainwright bernhardt funeral home paul j gillespie incorporated bob novig Mall, mark ronchetti cpa llc and the dental wellness center of vineland what's going on matt living the dream we are uh, one day away from Halloween, so we've got our, our Halloween show planned like we've done uh, you know, the past year now. We did one last year, we'll do one again this year, but uh, first things first, Robert Covington makes his return to the Wells Fargo Center uh, with the Timberwolves. Sixers getting ready to tip off against the Wolves. Only undefeated team left in the East. Pretty good feeling, especially that, uh, that game against Atlanta Monday night. Which was a tough game. I mean, that you know, that was a, a matchup, if you can believe it, of two undefeated teams early in the season. So, um, gutsy win. A lot of it was a lot of uh, defense after that pretty abysmal start to the first quarter, and um, very happy to see, especially when it came into uh, the crunch time in, in the fourth quarter. Sixers really, really shut it down, and yeah, Trey Young and and the Hawks started out really hot. 40 points in the first quarter, 63 in the other three. And that's a, that's a really good spot to find yourself because I think Atlanta's going to give lots of teams lots of problems this season. And if you can be uh, if you can be as defensively proficient against them like we were going forward, I think you're going to have a good shot. And let's not forget, too, the Hawks gave us lots of issues last year when they weren't quite what they are even now, which is a, a pretty interesting offensive team. I think the big difference maker, and we're all well aware at this point, was Joel Embiid, and I, I think that's going to be that an issue uh, a lot of Eastern teams faces. I just don't know how you stop him. You know, I, I thought it even in the first quarter that, yeah, we were getting run on, but I did not think they were going to be shooting what they were shooting. I think like seventy-one percent, something like that, from three <laughs> in the first in the first quarter. That was not going to continue, and at some point, Embiid was going to get a stranglehold on on Collins, and they had Alex Len uh, in there. Like, I, I just think Embiid overpowers so many front courts almost by himself um, in the East, especially that I, I think that's going to be a, a big, big difference maker uh, as we go forward here. Yeah, I, I mean, we we've had the unbelievable kind of takes on Twitter today, the whole defending Robert Covington, Matisse Thibel is, uh, you know, the new Robert Covington. We've had the Carl Anthony Towns uh, versus Embiid rivalry kind of get, you know, reignited. We had the Anthony Davis takes from today on uh, the Talking Head shows. So uh, it has been quite the ride today in Sixers Twitter land, um, to say the least, because Everywhere you look, there was a, a new take, a new argument, something going on, and uh, it was hard to keep up. Yeah, I, I think the whole 
Anthony Davis can't be guarded by anyone nonsense is just complete slop. Uh, it's it's weird how you know we I think everyone always talks about like the like the big media bias and like big markets and small markets like the how they get small markets typically a little unfairly untreated and stuff. No one would say what they said about Anthony Davis if he was still a Pelican about how oh, look how unstoppable he is. People can Embiid has has sunned him in every in every appearance. I like he has to visit Joel on the weekends. And like it's just not um for for me it's not really that much of a comparison. That's not to say Anthony Davis isn't a great player because he is, but I, I think if you're going so far to say that no one can stop him in the league, that's just ridiculous. I don't think actually there's a single truly unstoppable player in the league right now i think there's there's enough good defensive players that you can at least you're never going to completely stop anyone of course you're not like superstars and just going to have like a, an 11 point game and you know a, a game seven something like that right but i i just think you know even someone like Giannis, you can you, we, we saw him beat yeah be able to bully him at times last year like mm-hmm. i i just think the idea that you you can't, you can't do anything to stop Anthony Davis it is ridiculous. I, like, especially since that's I think someone that we've seen get shut down. Not even just by Embiid. Uh, we've seen Gobert do it in the past. Like, I I just I, I'm not a big believer that Anthony Davis is some unstoppable force because I I don't believe that to be the case. I think I've only seen a few players in my life that it truly felt like I don't know how you stop this guy. I think like Curry in like 2015. In 2016, I was like, I don't know what you even do here. And LeBron from like 2012 to like 2014 it was like, I just, I, I don't know. Yep. How do you stop th- these people? You just don't. And um, I don't think Anthony Davis is close to either of those yeah, categories. Nowhere near it. Um, but, you know, kicking it back to a couple days ago, the Sixers beat the Hawks uh, to claim the lone remaining unbeaten team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Mike Scott got. Oh, An unbelievable yeah, flagrant two called on him that has since been uh, downgraded to a flagrant one, but which I still think is a little a little questionable, to say the least. Um, but the Sixers were still able to pull that win out, and you know that was an impressive win to me because last year that's a game where I don't know if the Sixers win that one. Um, they were able to kind of battle, stay in it. They were down early, big, and uh, they fought back. Joel had a hell of a game. Uh, especially late down the stretch, and uh, I was very impressed by the way they were able to, uh, you know, grit that win out against the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, it's um, unbelievable just defensively what this team can do, and I think even the adjustment as you went further into the game to just really beat down Atlanta, and um, I I think the physicalness of the game is is something that uh, teams are going to really struggle with the Sixers against, and I think you saw that with the Hawks a little bit. I don't want to say they're... I don't want to call them soft, but I do think, you know, when your best player is Trey Young, who is a little bit undersized for the NBA, um, by the NBA standards, like, especially when you go up against someone like the Sixers, yeah, you know, I think as the game goes on, he even said, like, Ben was uh, talking about how, you know, he was saving himself to go at Trey in the fourth quarter, and it worked. Um, you know, he, he did eventually kind of start getting the struggle, and I mean, I, I think it's a tough matchup for the Hawks. I don't want to say that, you know, I thought they played great. I thought it was a very, you know, this was a 50-50 game. Um, but I, I think the Sixers showed that they can shut down very good, smooth-flowing offensive teams. You know, this this Hawks team played really, really well so far into the season. I've been uh, very, very impressive. So um, it's, a good, it's a good feather in the cap to have this early. And we'll get Portland soon as well, which is 
you know, a, a similar type team where you could have a lot of perimeter play and, you know, do your best against one of the best guards in the league in yep. Damian Lillard. So um, very, very excited to see that. Uh, but yeah, I think it was a great win just because of, again, you saw kind of the same strengths that you, you've seen in the first two games bleed through again, which is great defense. I don't know when the three-point shooting is exactly going to wake up. Again, I, I think a little bit was unlucky. Um, you know, I'm not obviously worried about it yet, but uh, I think we all know that the offense is going to need some uh, some tweaking throughout the year, and some of it will be just some bounces going our way. Of course, like I, again, I don't. We shot 27 percent <laughs> from three. Um, I don't really expect that to continue, but uh, you know, I I, I just think. I, I think the Sixers are in a great spot defensively, which, again, is, is no surprise as we looked coming into this year. But, yeah, I think even offensively, if, if Embiid can have nights like this, he's obviously not going to have 36 every night. But if he can take over in the fourth like he did, and he didn't even have to always be the guy necessarily to score. Uh, I think just the threat of Embiid alone really, really sticks with teams' heads. And, you know, you saw at times it was able to afford Horford some extra space or just that extra step. And I, I think that's going to be a real positive for the Sixers this year. And, yeah, I think the, the Timberwolves tonight is a, a really fun matchup as well just because there's a little bit of blood there. Uh, the Timberwolves did the Rocky Steps thing. Uh, which was, when will uh, they learn? When will Minnesota <laughs> I learn? I think that was like a little wink. Like, you know, I think they understood that it was oh, yeah. like, I ah, you know we're doing we're doing what the Vikings did. Uh, I think it was it was it's funnier honestly. Um, not as sad as when it was like twenty Vikings fans. Yeah, <laughs> trying to make it look like two hundred. Yeah. Um, tonight's bell ringer, Miles Sanders, uh, from your Philadelphia Eagles. So well deserved, by the very way. Very well deserved. Uh, and we'll get into the birds in just a little bit. But uh, also in attendance tonight, according to uh, Paul Hudrick from NBC Sports Philadelphia via photo. New oh, Phillies okay. manager Joe Girardi taking in the uh, the Sixers action nice. tonight. Good to see the uh, the new skip out and about. And our buddies at the Process Potables are also at the game tonight. Uh, so if you see them, make sure you go say hi. But uh, this game is going to be very uh, interesting. I think this is going to be a fun matchup. Like you said, you've got like you know the blood with with Covington. Uh, you know that I think is always going to be somewhat of an open wound for a lot of people. Um, you've yeah, got, <laughs> as we've seen today, um, you know, you got, no one, no one is talking about Covington. No one, no one on Sixers Twitter today. There certainly hasn't been a raging debate again for some reason about Robert Covington. Uh, no one's brought that up. My whole thing with this, you know, those like signs. It's like thirty six days since our last accident. <laughs> Should have that for like twelve days since our last Robert Covington discussion. Like he's been off the team for almost a year. That's like just my exact take. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's fun to have memories about Covington. It's fun to reminisce and you can still be a Covington fan. We're all still Covington yeah. fans. But at this point he's not a sixer anymore and everybody knows what he did for this team while he was here. Now it's time to move forward. It honestly even feels longer than a year. <laughs> like it that does. Fe- that feels six years ago. And listen, yeah, it like hasn't it, even been a full year yet. Yeah, we're getting there, but like, it's time to get over it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little excessive. And I mean, it's not like like you can debate all you want about a mistake about moving Covington, whatever you want to say. But uh, I, I think the Sixers have made several mistakes over the past year, two years, five years, even. But um, I think you just kind of have to let the dust be dust and, and just get over it. <laughs> 1,000%. God, God, am I so sick of talking about Robert Covington. I really am. 
I really, really am. So absurd. Because, listen, Covington was great, but I do think that some people really forget how absolutely stinky he was in the playoffs against the Celtics. And, you know, it's one series that does not define him as a player, as a human being, whatever. A muffed up middle finger, but, sure, but... sure. But, again, I, like, if Covington is playing at least at, like, 85% of his capabilities, I think we'd probably even win that series. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, like, it, it's just a whole mess, so... Let's let's never talk about Robert Ugh. Robert Covington on the Sixers again because it's just I, it's a whole can. I think of it's worms. just got to be dead and buried. Cove, if you want to come on the show though, <laughs> feel free. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really intrigued by this matchup. Two undefeated teams. Uh, it's an East versus West matchup, so uh, won't really affect the Eastern Conference standings too much. Uh, I really want to see a Tobias game tonight because. He was, for the most part, brutal in that Hawks game until, you know, he made a couple clutch baskets. I really need to see a better overall performance from Tobias tonight. Well, he had a disappointing opening night, great Detroit game, disappointing Atlanta. <laughs> so, I think we might the be The odds doing... are in our favor. Yeah, Tobias um, Tobias has already, I think, earned some, uh, some ire from people, and I can't exactly blame them. I He's pretty overpaid for what he is um uh, <laughs> he can't go one for nine like uh, no. you know in um i yeah we we need we need more consistency from tobias it's weird though because he's been it's not even just a a, a funk it's like it's been this way for really since april yeah you, you might even stretch it back a little bit like march like I, I just almost think, since he came over from the Clippers, he, he had a really good first month, and then since then it's been—I don't even know—I don't—I, I can't even think of, of really what the reason is. And it's weird because sometimes in games too, you see him pull off these smooth moves, and I think I've seen him at times even in in sort of ISO ball be really effective. But the missing the threes, especially he's getting some good looks. It's not as if he's having to pull up contested ones from the logo. Like he's he's getting pretty good looks at it, and. That's that's concerning to me. So hopefully, you know, yeah, Tobias can figure it out. Um, it's that's definitely going to be the annoying question uh, of the year: is oh, what do we do about Tobias? So Tobias stinks like that. That is going to be the discussion that is just not going to go away because I, I, unless he really pulls it out of the water, which would be Who great. Knows? Would that'd be great for everyone? And uh, Ben Simmons with a block on Robert Covington to uh, start things off for the Sixers, but. Uh, this is a great night for our buddy Ryan Jones as he is the leader of the uh, anti-Andrew Wiggins brigade, as he just tweeted. Wiggins is shambolic, disgusting player. Uh, you, you know what's interesting, though, is um, could have had Wiggins. Yeah. Uh, and, in fact, I remember being I remember being big on Wiggins. I remember being big on Parker. I think everyone was. Obviously, now with hindsight, we know much better. Um, and, thankfully, in a way, Embiid got hurt that year because you know he just happened to fall to us. But um, yeah, I, I like it's it's weird. It's just like it's weird if you look past like through the process and kind of look at who could have been or could not have been and almost and has nots and all this like guys that were just almost almost at our feet. You know, it's kind of like that Porzingis Okafor thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Wiggins could have been a, like. A, Imagine that timeline. Oh <laughs> it just makes me want to die. 
<laughs> That'd be absolutely terrible. Like, it's rough enough having to convince yourself that Tobias Harris is good enough to warrant yeah. even half the contract that he got. I could not imagine living with Andrew Wiggins. No. Because you tell you what, too, we would have been dumb enough to max him. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, what I've seen from Al Horford so far, though, I've been very impressed. I, I'm very, very happy. You know, we were we were skeptical at first when he signed here in free agency. Still skeptical, by the way. Long For sure. Term. Long term. Definitely. Um, but we were like, we were full-blown like, what the hell are we doing? And, you know, so far early on, it's, it's proven to be a, a pretty quality signing because Al Horford has done everything and then even then some that you could ask of him uh, in the position that he's playing with this team. Yeah, I think he's he's been great. I think one thing that um, we're getting from him that adds quite a bit is uh, passing, oddly enough. I feel like our, our ball movement has really improved so far this year, and I'm going to start looking at some some stats to, to, to figure that out a little more. But, yeah, I do feel like the, the ball movement's been a little bit better. And for a team that doesn't have the sort of dynamic, really potent half-court offense that most other teams do, in fact, right now we're ranked 24th in the league in that regard, um, which isn't all that surprising when you consider our personnel and that Embiid missed one game. But... Yeah, I, I'm. I've been really impressed with him on, on the offensive end and just kind of his facilitation role. And he's a very smart player. A lot of the things that we knew about Horford when he was a Celtic have have translated well to to being a Sixer. And that's he's got great leadership. Just again, a very smart basketball player. Um, right position, pretty much on every play. Good defensively. You'd like to see a little more consistency from him as well in terms of shooting, but I, I think for the most part he's he's been a, a pretty significant player in in this very early season. Yeah, and uh, I think he's taken a lot of, you know, not a lot, but he's been a distraction from how poor Tobias has had for his start of the uh, season. I think Tobias is still getting the heat. Uh, he's definitely getting the heat, but it kind of has leveled it out where, like, if Horford was playing terribly – then we're talking at a whole new level of like, okay, you know, time to question out and brand type levels of things. But uh, everything I think outside of Tobias right now in terms of the, the starting rotation has been super high quality. Yeah. I, you know, Josh Richardson kind of had his first good, uh, at least semi good offensive game. Uh, he had his first three, actually, which was, which was great. Um, so, yeah, you hope he, he kind of gets back to his former self, which is a, a more like, above average three-point shooter yeah i think everyone's worked well it's hard to really have too many complaints mm-hmm. at this point in the season when you're 3-0 and and like for the first time since the michael carter williams era of sixers basketball yeah hopefully uh not quite fool's gold like that was but um yeah i, I think that's been it's been a good start to this season and I, I think again you make it out of october with with a an unbeaten record you're sitting really pretty but um you know, it. I think for me, like the regular season is so much about beating Milwaukee in terms of record, and you know, you, you take it a game at a time with the regular season. I think this team is still built for May and June as opposed to you know seven months of basketball. Um, but it's good to see just again, in a way, kind of what we expected this team to be, and I think they're living up to the top five defensive potential that we thought they could have. And they are unfortunately also living up to the fact that we knew this was going to be an average offensive team. Um, so we're going to have to hope for some help. And we're going to have to hope some guys progress. Um, for can dot 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 question mark question mark <laughs> for who the the uh, <laughs> the experiment continues with them. I don't know what 
is going on. It, you know, very Halloween. Brett Brown is in his tower <laughs> attaching <laughs> electrodes to Furkan Korkmaz's body, just trying desperately to dump whatever he can into his brain to make him a good NBA player. And I'm sorry, Dr. Brown. I just don't think it's, it's Dr. Brown's Korkmaz monster. It's not alive. It um, really isn't. It was a bummer, though, that uh, Chig Milton went down with an injury because yeah. although he, he had a bit of a you know up-and-down game against Atlanta – in the spots where he was hitting, he looked good, and uh, hopefully he's going to be okay after this four-game road trip because that's when the team says they'll reevaluate him. Um, but what were your thoughts on on Shake as the potential next experiment for Brett Brown as his bomber? The, uh, the bride of Cork Moss. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think Shake has actually really developed into a good kind of off-ball player, which I'll be honest, a little unexpected. And, yeah, thankfully, you know, what I read was that it uh, – he didn't really get any kind of serious injury, you know, not any kind of ligament tear. Hopefully, um, you know, we, we don't get any news that refutes that. But, um, yeah, so that's good. You know, you don't want anyone on the team right now to be out long term because I think there's so many question marks that I want everyone getting as much game time as is possible to get the most data we can get and the most eyes on them and, and really assess value because I think spots like 11 through 13 on this team right now, you, you could even say 10 on, on this team, like really, really big question marks on them and, and who's kind of going to be worth that spot. And I think I think you can't really say for sure who that is. So yeah, hopefully shake back and healthy. Hopefully again, it, it's like it seems, which is nothing too serious. I think he can be... Again, a pretty good off-ball player, but um, I wish you could kind of mix him and Korkmaz together. <laughs> like, <laughs> if we're going to get real weird signs with it and just kind of throw them in a bath and, I don't know, whatever potion that Brett Brown would pour into there that makes them conjoin. Um, I'm not sure what the NBA legality is if you like mold <laughs> two players together. I don't know what happens to their contracts Some either. Some creepy crawlies, yeah, uh, 90s exactly. Action yeah, put right them there. in the oven with the uh, with the shrinky dinks, I guess. But I um, I'm I'm excited to see you know someone like Shake kind of progress throughout the year. I not very high on him either, if I'm just being honest. And I think I don't want to say we misplaced any kind of uh, faith in him because I think that's really unfair on him so far for his career, but. I do think that we did put a lot of trust in him when it came out of free agency that like he was going to be like our number two, number three option at point guard. I was like, uh, mm-hmm. are we sure about that? Because that seems a little, <laughs> that seems a little much. I don't know, but um, I mean, it's only better if he reaches the potential that the Sixers seem to see in him. Which, you know, God bless him. I hope he does. Hopefully, and uh, we'll keep you guys updated with this Sixers game throughout the rest of the show. But uh, Matt, I think Howie Roseman listens to the podcast and he is a fan of yours because uh birds they sort of stayed pat with uh what they had they traded for Jannard avery on monday but other than that no big splashy moves as uh the nfl trade dead line lived up to uh its moniker it was quite dead halloween theme again there uh the only trade that happened yesterday was a keep to going to your dolphins uh, to just stay on IR. Yeah, dude, I love uh, I love having just one of the dirtiest <laughs> players on the league on the Dolphins roster. Chain snatching. Yeah, well, you know, ever since I Incognito left, we've really missed that moral character in the <laughs> locker room. You know, someone to really rally the troops and uh, you know, kind of keep keep all the young guys in line. And you know, God, they essentially bought a fifth round pick by uh, acquiring hey, a keep. Listen, to NBA listen, trades coming to the NFL. Listen. You take what you can get. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But the, the NFL trade deadline was 
all bark, no bite. Uh, you know, I, I said this on the Goal Line Fantasy Football Podcast that came out today on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast feed. Diana Russinini should have her Twitter taken away for a week because she tweeted at about like one thirty, two o'clock yesterday. Hold on, more trades coming. Dot dot dot, and then absolutely nothing happened. Derek Gunn tweets, "Oh, I'm about to drop some fire, some heat." And then he's like, oh, I was just joking. Uh, I was talking about uh, music with somebody that works at NBC Sports Philadelphia. Like, come on, guys. Bradley Beal gif, come on. (laughs) Like, we are in the midst of the NFL trade deadline. People are coming to you for news. You can't be messing around with it. They know what they're doing. Like, do better. Um, But, yeah, Robbie Anderson stays with the Jets. Le'Veon Bell stays with the Jets after he was rumored to be uh, on his way out. Uh, a whole bunch of players that were talking about Jamal Adams, uh, who is having a lot of trouble with Joe he, Douglas. Yeah, by the he he needs listen. If I'm his agent, I'm like, bro, you need to shut up right now. You just need to <laughs> shut up. I like, we will get you out. Just relax, <laughs> bro. You just got you gotta wait till Christmas. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Melvin Gordon stays put. Uh, a whole bunch of guys stay put because you know the Patriots ruin the market by trading a second-round pick to the Falcons for Mohamed Sanu, and did Bill Belichick know what he was doing? Absolutely. And uh, I think that's what kind of destroyed the NFL trade deadline yesterday. But Jannard Avery, he's 24 years old. He was drafted last year um, to get a guy for a a fourth-round pick, you know, to play defensive end for the next two and a half seasons for you. I can't blame Howie for that one. Uh, Kind of a margins trade, and uh, a lot of Browns fans were very pissed off that the Browns decided to move on from him. Um, but what were your thoughts on uh, how he kind of staying status quo and not making a big move for the first time in three years? Not surprised because uh, I know that this team won, which we'll get to, but uh, I think this, this season is still a little bit up in the air. Uh, even if you beat the Bears next week, you're sitting at 5-4 and four going to the bye, which is still, I think, a difficult situation. Um, I think... The biggest issues with trades this year was value. And I think the Eagles, like we said, are, are almost at a crossroads at this point where they have a lot of aging stars. They still have a good core that, that are young and that are under contract, right? You still have Carson. You still have some other guys that, that you believe in and you can place faith in. However, like there's also, I don't know, seven, eight guys that you know in the next two, three years. And I'm talking starters. I'm talking all pro players, uh, you know, still have their Super Bowl rings that they display very proudly. <laughs> um, guys that you're going to have to replace. And I, I I think the draft is really the only way to do that. And I, I think it's, in my mind, it's it, 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 it would have been foolish to give up as much as was wanted for Jalen Ramsey. I know everyone wanted him on this team. I know everyone has this idea that Jalen Ramsey would have single-handedly pulled the Eagles out of the adrift ocean and saved our season. But I just, I don't believe that to be the case. And I, I think it's a little bit of a gamble and you also would have had to pay him. It's not as if like, that's why the Rams had to trade to keep to leave in Marcus Peters, you know, like, and, and I, I just, I, I think he, I think he looked at just the market and thought, I, I'm not paying what everyone else is paying. And I think, I think the deal we got is actually very good. If you think about it. And I think Browns are a little more, 
Browns fans, I should say, a little more prone to overreacting about their team making dumb decisions because they've just seen it all before. So I'm not sure he's as good as Browns fans are kind of saying. I'm not sure he has the high ceiling that they're all promoting. Seems like he's going to be a, a, a good player, though, which is, I mean, you can always use more good guys. You know, not a, you're not going to win every trade. You're going to just absolutely ravage every team you trade with, even if it is the Browns. You're not going to get blue chip guys for third round picks. Like mm-hmm. you're just not. But this is, like you said, this is a move on the margins. And this is this is ultimately actually what winning teams do. Is like, you're, again, you're not going to just absolutely railroad every team you trade with. It's just impossible. The Celtics got in so much trouble for trying to do this, for constantly trying. And what happened? Nothing. <laughs> they, they just, poof, nothing. You know, they, 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 they weren't able to actually get any deals over the line, or they didn't actually build on top of what they already had. And I think... Especially with football, you you need draft picks. You need to constantly be resupplying just a, a, the entire roster. And I, I don't think, again, just selling out on the next two years in the first round, even if you're hoping that you're going to be picking in the 20s, is a smart decision. And, I, again, I, I think everyone's kind of been a little too critical of the draft in, in recent years under Howie and how well, we, we don't draft well, which I think is slightly a misnomer. Sure, you could always say with hindsight – this guy, X guy, whatever, but you know, they, I think it's so difficult mm-hmm. to, to draft effectively. I just really do. But I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised we didn't go in anything big. I think the value wasn't there, and you know, we've talked about the comparisons from you know this uh, kind of uh, trade deadline to what we saw with the Phillies, and I, I think it's a similar principle where it's like, you know what, the market's a little more expensive than we'd like. Frankly, I'm not sure that we should be going all in on a team that is going to need some more work and is, is going to need some from some fresh blood in the next few years. So we don't like the price. We got, a, I think, a, a good hit. I, th- I think this is going to be a, a good player for the future. Someone who's going to be effective. Cool with that. And I, I, think, I think, again, people are, I think we're a little upset there wasn't this big home run, but I don't think anyone got a big home run. I, I think outside no. of Jalen Ramsey, I don't think any team you could say like the big home run came in the off season when Howie Roseman traded a six round pick for Jordan Howard. Yeah, that was your big home run. Uh, and people conveniently forget that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> like, because it didn't happen this at week. The deadline. You know, all of a sudden Howie has no sense of. By the way, a guy that I don't know three months and backwards has been universally praised by Eagles fans is all of a mm-hmm. sudden like a moron because he didn't he didn't think the value was there at the at the trade deadline like come on like that's listen you, you can you can be critical of these people but I, I again like the the same people that are gonna slander Howie are the same people that still have like 2017 Super Bowl champs yep. in their like their bio like okay we get it you know but you you don't get that championship without some of the work that Howie Roseman did and does he deserve some blame? Sure. But you know what? I, I think I actually agree with him on this trade deadline that I, I don't think the value is there. And I, yeah. I think I think it was it would have been a risky move to sell big on, on a player. And again, player that you're going to have to pay. It's not like this team has boatloads of money to just be throwing around either. Like the, the, I, I just think uh, I think it's a tough situation. And I, I actually think the Eagles probably played it as as good as they can, if I'm being honest. Yeah, a lot of... Uh... A lot of teams did that, and I think uh, John Barcher brought up a good point on uh, on Twitter and said, you know, the CBA is, is coming up where it's going to have to get negotiated. And I think a lot of teams decided to not make a big splash until they know what's going to be going on with that as well, and I think a lot of people don't take that into account. That's going to be a major turning point when this whole CBA negotiation gets underway. Um, one thing I wish the Eagles would have done was get a wide receiver, but like we said, 
the market was second for Robbie insanely Anderson. inflated. Robbie Anderson's going to be a free agent after the year. Uh, you saw what the 49ers gave up for Emmanuel Sanders, which, you know, good for them. They needed a wide receiver. Yeah, they're also 7-0. and Exactly. So, you Big know difference what? <laughs> from 4-4. and four. Uh, So I think, you know, there's there's going to be those marginal moves probably here and there. Would I, hell, I'd bring back Jordan Matthews now. Cut Andrew Sandejo to get the comp pick back. Jordan Matthews, what what has he done worse than Matt Collins this year? I mean, they both. Uh, I think they both had the same number of catches. Exactly. <laughs> you and I had the same number of catches as Matt Collins did uh, this past month. But you know, that's something. You know, Carson Wentz is familiar with Jordan Matthews. He has that rapport with him. They're really good friends. I'd rather see Jordan Matthews back here than Matt Collins being thrown out there and not doing anything. Yeah, I, and I, I think that's the tricky situation that you mentioned with Robbie Anderson, though, is he's a free agent. You know, like you, you, you might have to pay over the You've already potentially, if you had traded for him, given up a second, which is pretty high value for someone like that. And then you might even have to pay a little over the odds to keep him this summer. So you're, you're kind of double dipping on, I think, a bad sort of asset move. And I, I just don't think that's been the Eagles' MO at all. If anything, we've applauded Howie for his uh, cap skills and, and a, a averting and diverting money to, to make more room, to make more value signings. And I, I think you have to trust in that. I think he's earned enough equity with, with at least me, you know, to say, you know what, I, I trust you on this. And um, I think more people should, I think a lot of people do feel the same. I think mostly everyone is okay with what happened at the deadline. I, I think it is a more of a minority of, of people that are upset about this and banging whatever drum they want to bang. But, um, you know, I, I just think, I think the Eagles did ultimately the the right thing for. You could even say the the present, but I think especially the future because I think this is a team that's going to need fresh faces going very soon. I think you're, you're even talking totally about it agree. now. Like I, I think you're talking about now. Like some of these guys with the lack of motivation. We were sitting here talking last week about how a lot of these guys just still hang on the 2017, and the only way to cure that is get him out of here <laughs> like honestly or bring in someone that's going to compete and push them for their spot and either remotivate them or they're gonna be like you know what i think i think i'm done here and you know someone takes over for their spot and uh you know that's winning teams don't just hang their hats on one good season they they continually grow and develop and we'll see if that's the eagles you know they had i think a great season last year when you consider all the uh, all the injuries, especially their early season kind of miscues and, and some of those bad losses, and they still fought back and, you know, were a, a pretty difficult game against the Saints away from another NFC Championship game. And who knows, right? You know, so um, this year we're sitting at 4 and uh, 4, and four, four, and four. Hopefully 5 and 4 after the Bears this week, but no guarantees, no guarantees on that. No. Um, and... It's it's not the best situation to find yourself in, but we'll see the resiliency of this team. I like, you know, I think the Bills game was a great start, um, but let's let's see it. Like, let's really see it from this team. Agreed, and I think that Bills game was uh, a good test to see where this team was following those two blowout losses, following all the outside noise from Orlando Scandrick and the anonymous sources and all that bullshit uh, that they had to deal with because it, it just surfaced and. Uh, you know they went out to Buffalo, and they uh, they did what they had to do. And I was very impressed by the running game. I was impressed by what Carson was able to do. Um, not having to do a whole lot from Carson's standpoint, 
and and the defense came to play. They held the Buffalo Bills at 13 points, and that was one thing we talked about where the Bills don't score points, so if you can put up points, you can win this game. And the defense stepped up. Uh, Ronald Darby making a play in 2019. I was stunned. Jalen Mills looked great again, and... um, you know that was I think that was a big step forward for this team as they get ready to take on the Bears on Sunday for their first home game in almost a month. Um, so moving forward, they're also getting healthy. Deshaun Jackson looks like he's going to play this week, which is huge for this offense. Uh, it looks like you know a bunch of guys. Tim Jernigan was limited today. That's a huge sign for the defense. You know, just in terms of getting depth back and and putting some of these guys just back in the rotation rather than them being starters. Um, you know, getting a lot of these guys back from injury is essentially like making a, a trade at the trade deadline because you're getting guys back who haven't been on the field for you in weeks. And the biggest one being Deshaun. And we'll see, you know, he's probably not going to be 100% healthy the rest of the season and going to have to deal with some pain. So we'll see how much he can contribute. But his presence alone on the field, I think, is huge for this team. It's going to be huge for, you know, just how they're able to scheme. And uh, it's going to be big time for for this offense going against opposing defenses, knowing that they have to uh, defend Deshaun Jackson, even if he's not at 100%. Yeah, I think I think just even talking about the Buffalo game a little bit more is that not many teams are going to go to Buffalo and put up the points that the Eagles did. And I think that the major criticism of, about Philly this season has been I don't think this team has too many problems getting to 24 27 points that's not the issue it's been allowing the same and and getting Mm -hmm. into shootouts and you know anytime you're going in the fourth and it's you know 31 27 you know like the margins get so thin that you could you could theoretically be the better team in that game and still lose just because of you know 50 50 plays and um yeah not giving buffalo the opportunity to to still hang around the game and yeah they're not a great offensive team but we know their defense is very very good especially when they're playing at home it wasn't even ideal weather playing conditions um so that was an impressive part of it and listen if this is the turnaround for the eagles season that'd be great um i'm again count me out still. To be seen. i'm not i'm not hopping on any boat being pulled by these guys still like i'm 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 on the beach still saying, ah, wait, <laughs> you get past like the second wave and, and we'll, we'll talk. Um, I, I think this is going to come at a better time to play the Bears just because I think if you talk about a team sort of tail spinning almost similarly in that, you know, their, their season not gone the way they want. It's another tough defensive matchup, but I think anytime you get to go up against Trubisky, that's good news for your team. Um, so yeah, no, but Bears will have as much motivation as you could ask for, uh, you know, to, to, to beat the Eagles because of the way last season ended and how heart-wrenching that was for them. So you, you can't you can't overlook that, what that could mean for them to, you know, come in here and kind of get their season really in a, a good position for themselves and beat a team that I think they really don't like. <laughs> and that, yeah. I, you know, I think really broke their hearts last year. So um, it's not as if this is a layup matchup here. Like, this is still difficult, but... You know, you beat the Bears, you go in the the bye five and four. You get the Patriots right after that. I'll be honest, I think you're five and five. Season's in your hands. You know, you're at least in the control of your own destiny at that point. You know, because if you beat the Cowboys, you you should be beating the Dolphins, who will be what zero and thirty six at that point. Um, yeah, I think I think the the Eagles' season is still in their control, which is a good position to be in. It's not like you're at a stage now where kind of hoping on other teams to lose obviously you hope that the Cowboys lose some of these other NFC teams do drop some games but 
you know, it's not like you're getting into the mathematically still in play question here. You know, it's still it's still open for you, but I, I I'm personally gonna have to wait and see a little bit with the Eagles, and uh, um, I think we've seen just too much inconsistency this season to, to put too much faith into them. But uh, good, I thought it was a really good, especially considering just the maelstrom of just negativity that last week was to uh, to come out and, and play the way they did and get a, a big what could be a statement win against Buffalo um, to kind of turn the season in a, in a better direction than, than where it's been going. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was, I was impressed by this team just being resilient and, and stepping up to the plate and being able to do what they did uh, against Buffalo and hopefully getting some of these guys back is just going to add to it. And, you know, they're back home, they're back in their own environment. They just got to defend the link. You know, this is their time to, to step up now and, They'll be at home for the next month. So I think that's a big positive, too. You get some home cooking, and uh, you'll have your fans behind you. And they just got to deliver. They got to keep you know, their foot on the gas pedal moving forward. And it, it starts against Chicago. You know, you got to go 1-0 every single week. And Doug talks about that every single week in his uh, you know locker room address after they win or lose. You got to go 1-0 every single week. And that starts this week against the Bears. So we'll see what they'll be able to do. I'm intrigued by Jordan Howard playing against his former team. Uh, we saw Alshon do that last year, and the Bears have not been great against the run recently. They've given up a 100-yard game to Latavius Murray. They gave up uh, a ton of yards to Austin Eckler this past week. So uh, this team can be run on, which is a positive sign for the way that this team is kind of trending and how they've been using you know, guys like Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, and potentially Darren Sproles coming back this week too. So... Uh, I'm going to be very intrigued by how Doug kind of attacks this this game plan moving forward into this week to uh, to potentially come away with another win against the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and I mean, if you thought the Eagles' uh, drought on home games was long, the Buccaneers have not been at home for a month and a half. It was like 49 days, I think. Obscene. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I don't know how that happens. Like, I, I think that is ridiculous absolutely ridiculous i think they had they had a london game in there as well which was part of the issue but geez man like i that is such a long time to be away from tampa bay like that is <laughs> you know I, I think the eagles this was rough you know and i think you even saw probably just at least a little bit of fatigue and stuff going on the road that much but like i don't know how you're expected to have a normal season when you're two months almost like not having a home game same like, thing for the raiders yeah. they uh their last home game was september yeah. 15th because like, they went to minnesota went to the colts were the quote-unquote home team in london against the bears went to lambo went to houston and now they're finally back home november 3rd to take on the lions i, I like i think that's ridiculous man i i really I and think, this is oakland's last season in oakland which like, i mean you know. That's a bummer for the fans, at least. Yeah, like, I mean, I think it's it's a it's hard on the fans to begin with, especially with like the London games because they're they're losing a home game. Mm-hmm. I like you can talk all you want about um, how fair that is uh, and what that means. Like I know for the NFL, it means tons of money, but I do think it's a little obscene. You know, just the amount of travel that that you're expecting. Like it's you're already moving so much. You're already you're already flying and bussing so much as it is. Like. I, I think just to kind of like because it's not even like you're just on the road. It's not like the NBA, you know, right? Where you're like you kind of string like the West Coast trip together, so you're gone on the West Coast for f- four or five days. Like you're going to let's say Seattle, coming back, training for three four days, back to freaking Arizona, 
then back, then to Minnesota. Like, you know, like, it's just that I, I think that's, I think that's just wrong. Like, I, I think that's, that's something that really has to be managed. I don't know. Who was it? Was it a basketball player recently or an NBA player, uh, NFL player that was like, I think the next big thing to talk, to be talked about, you know, we're talking about like concussions and mental health now is sleep deprivation. It's Tobias. It was Tobias. Yeah. That's why it was so prevalent in my head. Um, I, I think that's a huge part of it as well. Cause like, I'm sorry. Like I, people say all the time, oh, they fly like first class, like chartered. You can't sleep on a plane. You see how like, giant these dudes no. are? They're freaking six five two ninety they're not sleeping comfortably on any plane they're not sleeping comfortably on anything that isn't a california king like it's yeah. just like I, I i do think that's a big part of it as well like you, i think you have to take better care of the players in terms of travel because I, I think 49 days without a home game is really unfair to the players and the coaches and their staff and think it's really unfair to the fans too to have to wait that long to have like a home game like i think for the eagles too it sucked you didn't get any home time in october which is like i think the best month of the yeah, year one game that it's that like october is like prime tailgating month it's the best weather it's when everyone's most excited to be outside because you can wear whatever you want like it has if you're like someone who trends more towards shorts you can definitely get away like october 12th with wearing shorts mm-hmm. and and like you can throw on alongside or if you're someone that really looks forward to wearing pants jeans are out like it, it's so versatile and to not get any home games for yeah nearly you got right in the beginning of october which like i don't know it's just a bummer it, it honestly kind of sucks and it sucks it hurts even more because it was because the Phillies were supposed to be good. It's like a, a double slap in the face, I think. Yep, and uh, Ryan just tweeted, too, because uh, apparently Mark Zumoff uh, on the broadcast said, and before you know it, Phillies baseball on NBC Sports Philadelphia, and Ryan said, don't you threaten me, Zumoff. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll be having more. Before you uh, know it, your family's going to be locked in a basement, and you're going to have to <laughs> dig a key out of sulfuric acid to, to release them. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Thanks oh, for reminding man. me of that. Thanks, Zoo. Jeez. But uh, speaking of the Phillies, Joe Girardi had his press conference at Passenstow, which I thought was a pretty cool spot to have the, the introductory yeah, press sure conference. Yeah, still trying to sell that place gotta, up to us, right? Got to milk the money out of there, but uh, watching that press hey, conference. Hey, do you hate the Phillies and just not want to watch the games? Come here. <laughs> spend 50 bucks for a ticket to get in the gate to spend another 80 bucks on pretty average food. Um. I was and not watch the Phillies play. <laughs> I was thoroughly impressed by uh, Joe Girardi and just how he carried himself. And arguably, I was kind of impressed by how Matt Klendak held, you know, himself up uh, on that on that stage. And um, you know, Joe Girardi probably talked to Bryce a little bit beforehand because he did pander a bit. And uh, I mean, Bryce, <laughs> any any big athlete, any big coach who comes into the city, Bryce is like, listen, this is these people are so you. stupid. It is so easy. Just like say some shit about a cheesesteak, <laughs> go birds, like take a picture well, of you watching a Flyers guy. Like that is so Gir- easy. Girardi went next level and talked about his relationship with Darren Dalton, uh, which I think I didn't like. Some of these stories Girardi brought up was was pretty cool because I didn't even know about mm. any of it. So to hear it and his connection with this city and that playing a part in why he decided to come here too was uh, pretty interesting. But I was thoroughly impressed by Joe Girardi. I'm happy he's our manager. And uh, I think, you know, the next step is going to be the pitching coach, which looks like it's going to be Brian Price, the former Reds, uh, you know, pitching coach manager. 
he's he's damn good at what he does. Uh, you know, looking at some of the pitchers he's he's worked with, and I think it's going to be a, a big positive. And this Phillies coaching staff is going from little to no experience to one of the most experienced staffs in the entire league, which I think is a big big positive. Yeah, I think it's weird. Last year was kind of a, an analytical experiment, and uh, I think you could say mostly a failure. Um, and I think this year, instead of kind of replacing the entire root philosophy, instead you're changing the coaching staff, which in across pretty much any sport is usually the easiest, quote-unquote, easiest thing to replace, right? It's easier to replace a head coach than his you know, front office, anything like that. Um, so we'll see what, what that does for the Phillies. Yeah, Girardi was definitely well-spoken, which I don't think comes as a shock. Mm-hmm. This is the guy. It's not like he's you know, a, a greenhorn here. Like he, again, has had to hold what I think is one of the most difficult coaching, head coaching jobs in all of sports, which is for the Yankees, because not only the expectations that come with being a, a Yankees manager, but the, the New York media itself can be uh, very divisive, very aggressive. And, um, you know, he's had to uh, talk some people off ledges, I think. So I think this was like a cakewalk for him. Because, you know, what? like he's walking to a situation where honestly – I think the it sounds like the bar couldn't be lower because mm-hmm. it wasn't like that bad, um, but I think the bar is pretty low, and I think he's he's uh, pretty capable of raising it, um, which is good. It's not that Gabe was ever like not a great speaker right. either. I just think everyone got kind of tired of Gabe's like cheerleader talk, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that I, I think is just kind of a it's a different it's a different voice, yeah. you know. And uh, you know, I thought it was pretty funny too, like. Every five ten minutes or so, Girardi was like, "Now, now, let me tell you a story." You know, he paused every. It was so funny. Um, and it did have very like Thanksgiving dinner vibes. Yes, you know, like it, and like after the meal, like everyone just kind of like sitting there drinking and just like telling like I don't know, like old. Well, like definitely had that sort of feel to it. Yes, um, and I thought a big positive was Reese Hoskins was in attendance for the press conference. Reese didn't have to be there. But he was, uh, spoke to the media after, and he said just what you said. You know, there's nothing against Gabe, but the experience that Joe Girardi brings to the table, I think, is such a, a big positive for this clubhouse. And you know what Joe Girardi said? He said, son, if you don't hit better, you're off this goddamn team. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, me, now shake my wife's hand. <laughs> um, but I, I thought that was a, a positive sign for Reese Hoskins' future with this team is that he's in attendance for – you know, the introductory press conference of his new manager. And I think, uh, you know, Girardi's going to speak with him all offseason. He's going to get with him all offseason. And they're going to work on some things. And I think this is going to be a huge positive for Reese Hoskins. Hey, man, I'm willing to believe anything right now. Um, I, I, yeah, I think it's interesting because Girardi did say that there, there are some players that just aren't fit. And I'm not sure that Reese fits in that category. I think some people have really thrown him in the trash, which is, I think, a little, mm-hmm. little unfair on Reese. Um, although he does have to show a lot better than he did for, frankly, what wasn't a slump. It was a whole half season where he was just awful. Um, but, yeah, I think I think there is some uh, some dead wood to clear out. And if Girardi is, is going to, again, I think he does have uh, alternative methods to Gabe and that he, he's probably going to be a little more assertive and direct than Gabe might have been, which we don't know all the ins and outs of how exactly he managed personal relationships. But the vibe you get from Girardi is definitely someone that's, not going to take subpar performances and just say, "Oh, you know, we're we're working on it with him," and you know, the the iPad tells me mm-hmm. that it's it's trending upwards. So, 
you know, I, I think Girardi's gonna um, maybe have a better feel for who needs who needs more time and who's just not who's just not cutting. And it. he did acknowledge, you know, he said when he was covering games for MLB Network last season, uh, did one in April, did one in June, did one in August. He was like every single time, the bullpen was a different cast of characters because of injury. So he did acknowledge that you know injuries played a part in this Philly season. And he's like, if you want to be successful, your bullpen can't be, you know, switching in and out of guys every other month due to injury. Like, guys have to stay healthy. Uh, he also brought up and name-dropped a couple guys that he thinks have a lot of talent that just haven't been unlocked yet. And uh, two Jesus polarizing Christ. guys, Roman Quinn and Nick Pavetta. I swear to God, if I'm going to have to watch <laughs> Nick Pavetta pitch for this fucking team again, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. I'm sorry. Like, dude, I'm like, I'm so over. Like, listen, whatever. If Girardi wants it to happen, it's his, it's his decision. But Jesus Christ, I swear to God, if we have to go through another year of, well, then Pavetta actually, you, you should see the way he hits the upper end of the strike zone. His fastballs, they're great. Jesus. Right, you know, like, I'm willing to, listen. This is it. <laughs> last year was the last chance. This is the last, last chance, all right, before the gallo drops and it's just over. Um, yeah, if, if Girardi is for it, then then okay. And if he sees something, he's a better judge of talent than I am. So go for it. But um, I won't lie, the mental exhaustion that I am I am with with Nick Pavetta is over there. Roman Quinn, I feel like we kind of know what Roman Quiz, Quinn is, and I don't really have high expectations. Like, I've never... Roman Quinn has never been built up to me to be like the savior of the Phillies or like a, a, a valuable like linchpin part of it. You know, he's always just kind of been like a good rotational mm-hmm. guy that's just super fast and like he's like a fourth type. outfielder. He's just like a he's a quirky guy. Like he's he's a very niche player. Like not really not really much more than that. Pavetta has been shoved down my throat so many times. And listen, I get it. I, I'm not denying that he doesn't have potential and that he doesn't have talent. Mm-hmm. It's just like at some point, like. You know, he's he's not like 22 anymore. <laughs> like, and like, can we can we stop talking? It's kind of like it's almost like the faults thing where it's like he's he's an adult. You know, like yes, this sucks, and yes, he's not performing levels. But like, you you want me to feel bad because I don't because he's getting paid lots of money and he's not performing. So he gotta make a decision here. Um, hopefully, with Pavetta it works, and if Girardi's willing to trust him, then sure. But I'm not gonna be happy about it. Tell you that it's it's all going to take from me is one game. I'm not giving him. I'm not giving him. Oh well, we'll see. You know, after May, June. No, if if he comes out in April and he's bad, I'm done. I'm completely out. I, if he comes out bad in spring training, I'm done. If I see one bad throw in <laughs> when pitchers and catchers reported February, I'm done. done. He is on the shortest leash imaginable. He's not even on a leash. His collar's just wrapped around a stick, and that's it. That's all you're getting. And a tarp over your head, and be grateful I'm giving you that, Nick Pavetta. Now we can hope that uh, Brian Price is able to turn him around. This is via Jack Fritz, friend of the show. Uh, Brian Price's last full season as Reds pitching coach in 2013. National League ranks. Pitching staff was fourth in ERA, first in batting average against, first in strikeouts, third least amount of walks in baseball. That would be nice. And then he follows it up with, this was with Homer Bailey starting 32 games. Give him a lifetime contract. Yeah, well, don't don't hold your breath. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, if there's one thing I've learned about this Phillies rotation is they will find new and astounding ways to disappoint you. <laughs> I'll also uh, add this into Brian Price likes to get fired up. Uh, there was a, a rant 
that he went on as a manager. 77 F-bombs in a six-minute rant with the umps. That is... That almost feels like it should be a world record because that's impressive. 70... Like, that's... You have to really try. 77 of those bad boys in six minutes. 63... Oh, I'm trying to do too much math here. Uh Uh-oh. He just went absolutely off and... uh, I think he's going to bring that fire and ire to this coaching staff. Now, maybe we need that. Next big hire is going to be the hitting coach. There hasn't been anything really leaked about the the hitting coach yet, but I think Brian Price is a great, uh, you know, fit for this team pitching coach wise. And it reminds me a lot of the Eagles in 2016 when they brought in Doug Peterson, Frank Reich, Jim Schwartz. You know, a, a cast of experienced guys, whether it was in the NFL, on coaching staffs, have played in the NFL. And you look what this Eagles coaching staff is now. You know, Frank Reich, a head coach. Jim Schwartz still here. Doug Peterson's still here. That experience pays off when you have a young team. And I think, uh, you know, bringing in Girardi and, and Brian Price is going to be two steps in, in the right direction for this team. And I'm very excited to see who is uh, on the table for the heading coach position. In my best Michael Scott gif quote, no doubt about it, I am ready to get hurt again. <laughs> uh all we have to say about the uh, the Flyers, who apparently played last who? night, big Who's yikes, that? big yikes. Uh, it is October still, so we're still on our positive spin, and I think the most positive thing we could do about them is just ignore them. Yeah, they just forgot to show up. Honestly, I I, I I'm so mad <laughs> that you know what the best thing to do is you just go straight to your room. <laughs> just, I'll see you November first. <laughs> Um, uh, what a killer! Oh man! And uh, as it is our Halloween show, as you can see by Flyers lost seven one of the Penguins. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Come on, you know you couldn't even make it a month. It wasn't even a full month. You couldn't even give me three weeks. Jesus! Unbelievable! Disgraceful! What a spineless team! What an absolutely <laughs> spineless team! I'm sorry. Listen, you can say whatever you want about early season and figuring it out. But you lose seven one of your biggest rival. Come on, man. And yeah. you know this isn't even the first time with this team. Nope. And it's the same players too. So I'm like, I'm kind of sick of the whole like, well, give this team time. We're seeing some good trends, are we? Because <laughs> I feel like I hear that every year, this entire decade. <laughs> this is my positive spin, by the way. This is me positively talking about the Flyers. Like, come on, man. Like. It's, it's just so disappointing. Like, how are you supposed to get excited about a team that just gets absolutely walloped like that? Like, listen, like, you're going to lose bad. Duh. You know, like, there's not every night. But, like, it just feels like we're, like, how do you get that outclassed? I'm sorry. Like, just after the first period, I, I had, like, just alerts on my phone. Just saw, like, Pittsburgh Penguins goal. Pittsburgh Penguins goal. Pittsburgh Penguins goal. Like, Jesus, man. That's just, it's, it's a crucifixion. And, man. Tough, tough scene. Tell you that tough much. Tough scene. Um, it is our Halloween show, though. It's freaking bats. Um, if you're watching on the Facebook Live, we decorated the studio a bit, but uh, I figured obviously we got to uh, reminisce about the 2008 Phillies World Series parade. Had a couple people tweet in to me uh, their lasting images of the 2008 World Series parade, uh, and you can tweet at us at Underground PHI. Uh, friend of the show, avid listener Bill Yoder. Tweeted in, uh, superintendent denying personal days because the, quote, once-in-a-lifetime experience criteria relates to the individual, not the masses, to parent-child role reversal when I had to pick up my parents because their car got towed for parking illegally at a Wawa to catch their train. 
wild respect scenes. Respect it. Respect it. Uh, this is from Nathan Reed at Led Zepidus on the Twitter machine. Uh, people screaming, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie at the championship parade. Great times. And then uh, this is from Corey Baseball Emoji on Twitter. Just a, a picture of the man, the myth, the legend. That is Chase Utley. That is like the most iconic Philadelphia sports fit ever. Ever. I, I like I, I don't and I honestly I don't know that anything will ever top it because that is so 2008 fashion <laughs> that beanie does not exist. You cannot buy a beanie like that anymore. That just doesn't exist. The the like faux peacoat kind of thing, the weird jeans that don't fit quite right. Everything about that outfit is so like 2005 to 2009 fashion. It like it makes my head spin, and it's just like the perfect image of just like what hot guy looked like in that time period yep. weird like soul patch even was like what the hell was that but yeah and the phillies gave away a bobblehead with it this year for chase's and, retirement game and the, again just iconic, perfect item iconic fit and uh today is the uh, as we record this last day of baseball matt until march yeah uh it has been listen, a long treacherous listen, hell listen uh if 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 the worst should happen tonight, I uh, I don't know if I'll be back in the spring. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And you know what? I really liked the Astros like two weeks ago. <laughs> Damn, they just they ripped my heart out. Um, honestly, let's just hope the Astros win. I know. That, I know that they <laughs> suck, and I don't. I'm not rooting for anyone. No. But it's just like, man. I like. I just. I cannot live with the Nationals World no. Series. I just absolutely cannot. It can't I, happen. I, I can't do it. I'm no. like. My hands are getting sweaty thinking Ugh. about it. Do the thing, Granky. Do the thing. Uh, games. I mean, it's exciting. It's game you know, seven. Like, and baseball gives you a lot of these moments. That I think other sports don't always give you. Where you like, I feel like you do get a lot of these. Uh, these big decisive mm-hmm. games. Phillies. Never been in a game seven. I was just gonna say, Matt Who Gelb. Thunk? Tweeted that this morning. No, uh, no game sevens for the Phillies ever. Yeah, just like Michael Jordan. You know, we don't need clinchers. We're, <laughs> we're in it. We're in it. And uh, with it being our Halloween episode too, I figure we could compare some uh, Philly sports teams, athletes to uh, some Halloween candy. So uh, obviously, got to do the the faces of the franchises: Joel Embiid, Bryce Harper, Carson Wentz, and uh, Claude Giroux. All those four guys. Who are we? Who are we taking from the candy? Uh, the candy aisle for those four. I think Joel Embiid is the Reese's peanut butter cup, uh, specifically the Reese's peanut butter pumpkin, which is the superior version. Anytime you get the shapes, the the egg for Easter, the tree, the tree for Christmas, and the pumpkin for Halloween, it's just something about the texture is much better than the original cups. Crowd pleaser. Everyone loves a peanut butter cup. Mm-hmm. It's it's unanimous. Apparently, Skittles is is like nationally like I don't know who voted on that. Skittles are not good. Okay, I shouldn't say Skittles are not good. They're okay. They're not nearly on the same plane. No. Reese's are like an all timer. Yes. Like chocolate peanut butter all is the, the best. One level. of the best combos ever made. Reese's so up there, and it, Embiid is the same way. Uh, Carson. Carson had to give Starburst. It's like you know, like not everyone loves Starburst. People who love Starburst are really passionate about it, and then you have. Within the Starburst fandom, you have very specific mm-hmm. sects of like, oh, pink Starbursts are the best. No, orange are the best. Like everyone's That's a good of, call. Like people really like when you love Starburst, like you love Starburst, and it really kind of throws people off. But I get again, generally speaking, everyone kind of you know you get Starburst bursts in your bag, and you're like, yeah, I like Starburst. Mm-hmm. You know, like nothing really wrong with them, but they're not like elite. 
like this is like the best candy except to a, a select group of people who are very passionate and that's a good call fight all about starburst all day long uh bryce Pff, bryce is a tough one i would give bryce sweet tarts uh again a little bit of an acquired taste not super flashy like and again just kind of like reliable candy that you're just like yeah i got sweet tarts pretty cool like you know um yeah, and I think, again, a little bit of an acquired taste, and I think sweet tart is kind of how I would describe He's <laughs> a sweet tart. Uh, and uh, Claude Drew, black licorice, because it sucks, and I hate it. <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I would give Claude Drew uh, Almond Joy, because I think, uh, again, the people who like Almond Joy are very passionate about Almond Joy. I personally like Almond Joy quite a bit, and uh, not everyone likes it, just like not everyone likes the Flyers and Claude Giroux right now. It really, like, the last eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think, but the, again, the people that really like Almond Joys really like Almond Joys. And you are always really happy, if you're an Almond Joy fan, to see them in your bag. Like, you stop everything, pick those out first, and that's what you go through first. And I think it's the same way with Claude Giroux and the Flyers right now. Is Listen, if that's all you have, that's what you cling on to. And good on you for it if that's if that's what you like. I uh, I agree with the Joel Embiid comparison to Reese's. It, it's an all-timer. Uh, everybody loves Joel, and Reese's put a smile on Reese's your face. Reese's is, to me, to Halloween, what Coca-Cola is to Christmas. Like, I associate, and yes, that's very consumerism, capitalist America <laughs> for you, but that's just the way it is. Like, when I honestly, yeah. like, Coca-Cola is very, like, Christmassy. Mm-hmm. Like, you go to any like, Christmas party, Christmas dinner, like, Coke is there. It's they have there. the whole Santa Claus, the polar bears. Whole Halloween is like very. I think part of it is the color, but also it's just like I feel like I think Halloween. I I genuinely Reese's. think Reese's like every time. Claude Giroux. I'm gonna go uh, Kit Kat because sometimes you just need Claude to give you a break, man. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, and he's wafer thin, so yeah. You know he's got the the the, the wafers that get that little ginger tint to him too. Uh, I'm I'm giving Claude the uh, the old Kit Kat treatment. Bryce, I'm going three Musketeers because. Uh, you know, he wears the number three, and uh, he's a little rich, just like the nougat inside the Three Musketeers bar. And uh, I think Bryce is a, a Three Musketeer. He had to venture here to uh, become a Philly. So that's my take with Bryce. And then uh, Carson. Carson's a, a tough one. You know, it's a it's an acquired taste. And uh, you know, I think I'm gonna give Carson. Jeez. Uh you know, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Carson the the Jolly Rancher because some people Carson makes them jolly, makes them yeah. really happy. But then uh you don't always want a hard candy either. You want something that's a little soft and Carson seems a little a little rock hard on the surface, you know, not very uh you know open according to the locker room a little bit. Uh so I'm gonna give Carson the Jolly Rancher uh as his Candy not, comparison. Not wild about Jolly Ranchers. Not a big, not a big Jolly Rancher fan. I mean, if they're there, they're there. But like, I would not be. Uh, if they're in like a bowl, that's not what I would be picking. Mm-hmm. The uh, let's go with the mascots. Swoop, the fanatic, gritty, and Franklin. Oh man, I already used up my best ones. Uh, gritty, gritty is uh, the Snickers bar. Yes. Because uh, again, I think a crowd favorite. 
Like everyone can kind of agree Snickers is good, even if you're not like into all that's in it. It's like it's a pretty good candy bar. It's got a little bit of everything there for everyone. It's got the sweet, it's got the salty, it's got the nuts in there. I think it's pretty iconic. Um, again, it's 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 a pretty big heavyweight as far as candy bars go. Um, Swoop, I give Twix because I think Twix for me, I love Twix. I think they're great, and they're not really a candy bar. Just like Swoop isn't really mm-hmm. a mascot. He's just. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Swoop is just kind of like, he doesn't really do anything outlandish, but he's also like, he's still funny that like, you see mm-hmm. Swoop. He's got a cool name. That's nice. Um, I think Twix is kind of the same way. It's like, no one's really like stomping hard for Twix, but if you get Twix, you're like, yeah, this is pretty good. I feel the same way about Swoop. Um, who else do we got? We got uh, Franklin, and Franklin, we've got the Fanatic. Fanatic. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is so tough. Franklin. Halloween candies. Halloween candies. Franklin, I'm giving uh, Milky Ways because, uh, let's be honest, Franklin is not the best Sixers mascot that we've had. <laughs> we've had better. He who he, he shall not be named because he's just wiped from the memory the Sixers franchise. Um, Milky Ways, there's nothing wrong with them, but let's be honest, we know there's better out there. And when you get a Milky Way, you eat it, and you're like, eh, I could eat about a dozen of those and I feel nothing. And I love Franklin. I don't mean that to demean him, but let's be honest. We know that there are better there are better out there. And I mean that with no disrespect because I really do love Franklin a lot. Jeez. <laughs> um, what do you give the fanatic, man? Uh, I'm trying to stick strictly to Halloween candies because mm-hmm. I would normally give him like a whatchamacallit bar because I think it's just very fitting. <laughs> um, I would give him a... I would give him like a, a crackle bar again, like or like a crunch bar. Mm-hmm. Again, pretty iconic, you know. Like again, very much a crowd favorite. No one really complains if you get a crunch bar. They're they're pretty good. You can kind of chew on them. They get that light airiness, which is nice. And uh, yeah, I feel like you know everyone can enjoy them. And I think everyone loves the fanatic. And I think they're they're very much one and the same. And that they again, they're very iconic, very iconic look that's tried to be replicated by other bars and other candies, but. Or they're included in pieces of other ones, but you can't really get better than the original. And I think the fanatic is the same way. Gritty, I'm gonna give uh, Warheads because that's, yeah, okay, that's pretty good. He uh, he's just dynamic, like the Warhead is. Um, Franklin, I'm gonna go with Fun Dip because he's just he seems like he's always on crack. He's running around. <laughs> And uh, Fun yeah, Dip is fair. literal candy crack. That's fair. Uh, the Fanatic, I'm going to give him the original Reese's because he's the classic. Um, you know, nothing beats an original Reese's other than, you know, the shapes, but they're in the same family. And Swoop, Swoop, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with now and later for Swoop because, you know, he's there now. He's going to be there later. Yeah, and eternal candy. And uh, we'll wrap this segment up with the coaches. <laughs> Doug Peterson, Elaine Vigneault, Brett Brown, and now Joe Girardi. Uh, Vigneault is uh, the pretzels that you get because you're <laughs> like, oh, thanks. Thanks for the pretzels. <laughs> and the pretzels, there's always only like six of them, so it's not even like you get a lot of pretzels. Um, yeah, everyone's real psyched when they open their bag and see pretzels thanks for that one that's cool <laughs> um god i'm running out of candy man this is so tough i don't want to double i don't want to double use that's unfair but it means that some people are going to get some things that maybe isn't quite fair to them 
Brett Brown. Brett Brown is a Tootsie Roll uh, because he is glamorous. Uh, no one really knows quite what he is, just like a Tootsie Roll. Like, Brett Brown has eight different accents. No one can tell me exactly where he's from. Uh, it's same with the Tootsie Roll. I could not tell you what a Tootsie Roll is made of. It's made of Tootsie. <laughs> That's not even a real thing, I don't think. No clue. Um, really simple. It's just a simple little log of just goodness. And, again, long-lasting flavor. I think everyone kind of likes it. It's, you know, again, not everyone's real favorite, but I think it's overall pretty good. And uh, I, I think he fits with that well. Doug Peterson, I would give. I would get. Oh, geez, what other what other Halloween candies do we got that we have not done? Because I again, I don't want I don't want to double dip on these. That's unfair. Everyone has to have their own unique one. I would give him the hundred grand bars because you know what? He's brought the most success that uh, Philly sports have had this decade. And uh, I think uh, he's worth 100 grand at least. And I think 100 grand bar is pretty underrated as well. That's more of like a, you don't really get that too often at Halloween. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's almost a little more Christmassy, in my opinion, my experience. Um, but I do think that uh, it has it's a lot of unique flavors, has a lot of kind of stuff just kind of thrown into it, which is nice. And I think Doug Peterson is a good mix of all different types of coaching styles, which is nice. Um, who do we got last? Joe Girardi, the new kid on the block. The new guy. What are I you know what I I okay so I yeah I'll, I'll give Joe Girardi Skittles because uh, I think everyone knows what Skittles are everyone knows who Joe Girardi is uh, everyone has formed an opinion about Skittles everyone has a pretty formed opinion about Joe Girardi as you know I don't think they're like the most amazing snack or, or candy um, I'm not wild about like chewy fruity candies uh, myself um, but I think they're pretty iconic I think they're they're pretty they're pretty damn good candy i think you're pretty happy if you have skittles in your bag because you can at least trade them mm-hmm. you know that people like them and i think joe girardi is the same way in that you have him in your back pocket you're like okay yeah this is pretty good i i, I can do something with this joe girardi i'll start off with i'm gonna give him peanut m&ms oh i forgot about the m&ms and peanut M&M's. he wow. is he's the new kind of acquired taste he uh well, okay well for peanut m&ms are the best the elite version. ones but it's it's the new taste for the phillies you know yeah. they kind of had a little bit of a, a stale run the past two years and uh the new voice in the building you're gonna add some pizzazz by uh you know infusing the peanut m&m into your locker room. So Joe Girardi gets the peanut M&M. Brett Brown, I'm going to give the Hershey bar. He is, you know, he's a classic. He's been, he's the longest tenured head coach in Philadelphia. And uh, Hershey bars have been around forever. So I'm going to give Brett the Hershey bar. Um, Elaine Vigneault, I'm going to give him the, uh, the popcorn ball. That looks like the skeleton hand because good, came out with a, a punch, came out with a pop, would be be a fucking flyer, and then uh, it's kind of just been, you know, popcorn. It's It's been there. Yeah. Uh, and then Doug Peterson. Um, Doug. What am I going to give to Doug? Frosted animal crackers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Doug Peterson. I'm going to give Doug... I'm going to give Doug Smarties because, you know, Doug gets praised for using the analytics. Smarties, there's a a ton of them in the little roll. And uh, he's able to use his entire roster to its capabilities as much as he can. And uh, you got to use all the Smarties in the roll. He's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. So 
Doug Peterson, you're going to get smarties. But I think that's going to do it for our Halloween edition. Have a good Halloween. and uh, Shout out to the candy corn lovers out there. Yes. We are thriving in this environment. It is fantastic. Uh, I'll miss candy corn, man. I agree. Love me some candy Needs corn. to stick around through Thanksgiving. Yeah, but like I like my craving for it like peaks like last week. True. Like now I'm like still into candy corn, but I'm like, you know what? I'll see you next year, candy corn. As our live video has just ended on Facebook for whatever reason, it's, uh, it's a Halloween. Uh, it's a ghost miracle. It's I freaking bats. I don't think I used the word miracle correctly. <laughs> but uh, as always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot Security Twenty One, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J Gillespie Incorporated. Bob Novick on them all, Mark Ronchetti, CPA, LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. We'll be back with you guys later this week and uh, previewing Eagles, Bears, and a whole bunch of other stuff because we'll be talking about the Sixers hopefully being undefeated still. And uh, optimistic October has come to an end. So this has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 180. For Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace.